Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 20 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, I am chatting with author Patricia D. Eddy. Welcome to the podcast, Patricia. How are you doing today? Thank you. I am very good. How are you? I'm excited to be chatting with you and getting to know you and your books better. I am very excited about this too. Perfect. Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started? Well, uh, I have been writing pretty much my entire life. One of my first memories is actually sitting at the kitchen counter um, at, with, at my parents' house on a typewriter and typing out, you know, one page uh, short stories that were probably horrible, but still <laughs> that was, that was what I did for fun. Uh, so, so writing has always been a part of my life. Uh, but I did not publish my first book until 2013, uh, simply because I didn't finish my first book until 20. Well, actually, no, I guess I finished it in 2012. Um, I had a lot of partially finished books that mm -hmm. I would start and and get maybe a third of the way through or halfway through and then and then they would get hard and so then I would <laughs> give up <laughs> but in 2013 I or 2012 I finally made the commitment told myself okay I'm gonna do NaNoWriMo and I'm actually going to finish it this time because I had tried several years running to actually finish and that was the first year that I had that I won at NaNoWriMo and and finished an entire novella that ended up turning into a novel that was my first book. That is an accomplishment. So, Writing uh, and getting it published is a huge feat. I'm sure that there are yes. many, many authors that have many, many stories that are a couple of chapters in, half the chapter, almost all the way done, but not really. So that's definitely something that I think it's common among the authors to have these stories untold yes. yet. So. But it helps when you're like trying to figure out what to do. You can always grab one of those old ones, dust it off, add some, you know, new juju to make it all work out and boom, it works, right? Yep. I, I am definitely one of the books that I did not finish from, oh, I don't know, maybe 2006 timeframe. I really, really do want to go back and actually turn that into, into a novel one of these days. Cause I, I just, I loved those characters and I did not, I did not do them justice because I did not know enough about plotting at that point or character development. Uh, but but now now that I do, I they need another thought. So at <laughs> some point in the next couple of years, I'm going to go back to them. That's great. It's amazing how you're able to hone the skills and learn as you continue to write and as the years progress and then you're able to like, hey, honey, come here. <laughs> it's so perfect. <laughs> yep. So your tagline says beautifully broken romance. And in your bio, it says that you write romance for the beautifully broken. Tell us what you mean by that. So I, I believe that we are all broken in, in some ways and, and broken is not bad. When I say broken, I mean, we have, we have flaws, we have imperfections, we have differences. So beautifully broken to me is, is just people. Um, and everyone is, everyone has different things about themselves that maybe, maybe they would like to change. Maybe they wouldn't like to change, but they just know that these are things that, that are different from their brother or their sister or their best friend or their parent or their child, whatever. Um, 
I, I liken it to, I tell the story in my newsletter that the most, some of the most beautiful things in the world, like mosaics and um, stained glass are broken and, and that you have to break an egg cell to make an omelet. You have to break a glow stick to make it turn on. And so being broken is not, in my mind, anything anything negative. It is, it is us experiencing life and going through life and having the good things happen, but also the bad things happen. That, and those bad things and the good things, they make you into who you are. And so when I say I write characters or I write romance for the beautifully broken, I, what I really mean is that I write romance for real people, for people with real problems and real flaws and real challenges in their lives who still find their happily ever after. And that looks different for everybody, which is one of your themes as well. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I think sometimes when we hear the word broken, we automatically go to that negative space of something being not correct and at the end of the day even in nature nothing is symmetrical nothing is perfect there's always something that makes it unique exactly. and exactly. the things that that we go through are you know some leave scars physically mentally emotionally um but those you know it provides us with who we are today because of those things um so i just wanted to make sure exactly. that i was like okay that's it's usually not something that's used in romance, you know, the whole like broken. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, yep. we're going to talk yep. about this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, one of the, one of the things that I tell people all the time, I have, I have ADHD. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had ADHD my entire life. I did not know that I had it until I was 40. Uh, so I've been, I've been dealing with it for a number of years. And, you know, that is something that, that a lot of people consider broken it because it, because it is it's something it's something that isn't necessarily right but at the mm-hmm. same time if i didn't have adhd i would not be the person that i am today and i would not have accomplished a lot of the things that i have accomplished in my life and so i can't in any way say that i hate my ADHD or that I wish my ADHD didn't exist because I like who I am. I, I am proud of who I am, but who I am is a person with ADHD. And that, that does not make me any less than um, anyone else or any more than, I mean, just, it just makes me who I am. Yeah. And that's the, um, as far as the whole being romance, not using, usually that using that term. I mean, we have heroes mm-hmm. that have so much trauma because they were in military or background histories. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think we all love romance, that there's something that we can all identify with that we find that is not that cookie cutter perfection of what society maybe might see as beautiful or fill in the blank, you know, ho- you know, fulfilled. Um, but the term itself is never really said in, in romance because, again, it has that negative connotation as if something's a flaw. So when I saw that on your website, I was like, oh yeah, okay. I I, I knew <laughs> what you were talking about, but I was like, you know, sometimes people are like, yeah. eh, and everything, but I'm like, it's okay to use some of these terms just as long as the, you know, content is there, <laughs> context. Right. Um, exactly. Right. Yeah. And you write all forms of different subgenres within romance. You have military and paranormal and BDSM. 
Um, and so there's all these different things. What made you write in these genres? Well, so I started out with paranormal romance and I, I just, I love the idea of being able to create a whole world and having magic or having things in the world that, that either don't exist in our world or that we don't know that exist in our world. Because I mean, really, I, I can't prove werewolves don't exist. Mm -hmm. I just, no one has proven that they do exist. So, you know, I mean... I suppose things like that are possible. And I just, I love the idea of, of believing that you know, there is more to this world than what we see. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was a lot of the allure of the paranormal romance genre. And then really, I mean, I, I read and enjoy all romance. Um, I, I even really enjoy historical romance. I will probably never write it because Again, ADHD, the sheer amount of research that needs to go into historical romance. Oh, yeah. um, I, I am not, I am not that person. Um, the, the researching things that happened in, you know, hundreds of years ago, not, yeah, my, my ADHD would not necessarily let me do it, but I love reading about it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just, yeah, probably will never write it. Um, but in terms of, uh, the military and the BDSM romance, really, it was just, I I write what I want to read at the time. Mm -hmm. And so as my, as my reading tastes change, or as, as I get myself full up on BDSM romance, over the course of a couple of months, you know, maybe then I'll move on to something else. Uh, I just I like the variety. And I, and I do think that I think that my ADHD probably plays into that quite a bit that if I have either multiple projects going at once, or if I go back and forth between genres, it keeps everything interesting. And it keeps me learning new things and trying new things with my plots and my characters, and just keeps me motivated to keep going. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely, I think, also part of being of a, of a creative brain, to kind of have that yes. learning aspect as well as learning something new and getting into something new creatively. Uh, it, we're always jumping. There's some readers that will stick only to the one genre. And then there's some of the other ones like myself that I'm like, I hippity hop all over the place. <laughs> so I don't discriminate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are some that I'm like, nah, I, I probably won't do the whole dark romance thing or more, more so the bullying. That's not, not my thing. And that's okay. Uh, because, right. you know, any, everybody has their own and that's perfectly fine. But I have at least tried it <laughs> and said, Right. Not for me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah. Same here. I, I, there are, actually, there's very little that I won't read. There is, there's, a, there are, there are some things that I just, I don't read often, but really I, I used to, for instance, I used to hate first person and I don't know why. I have no idea why I hated it, but every time I picked up a first person book, I just, I couldn't get into it. And then one day I picked up this awesome first person book and I don't even remember the title. I remember it was a YA book. It This had to have been like 15 years ago, at least maybe longer, but I just, I loved it. It was absolutely amazing. And then from then on, I loved first person and I could not figure out why over the course of two days my brain just went I hate first person now I love first person 
Okay. Well, again, that's that's why we try things as as people. Uh, I I used to hate pretty much every vegetable growing up. All of them. I, I I ate corn on the cob and green beans. That that was it. Everything else was just nope. Won't even touch it. Now I eat all vegetables because I started trying them again when I was an adult and went, oh, wait, broccoli isn't actually horrible. It can be pretty tasty. All right. Let's try something else now. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, our taste buds for when it comes down to that is very same thing with our, our, our likes and dislikes when it comes down to the books. I mean, I remember my mom saying, you guys used to eat everything, fruits, vegetables, and then you guys started school and then you were very, you know, you completely sw- switched and didn't like anything. Come to realize I'm huge on texture. So there's, if the, like, I yep. love the, the, the taste and, and of the strawberries. I don't like the texture mm-hmm. of the strawberry. So I'll blend that sucker up. <laughs> yeah. Make it into a shake. Yep. And things like that. Yep. Uh, and that's also where, you know, I might like one type of romance, but not in this specific genre, like in a contemporary, but I'm okay with it being in a paranormal uh and exactly. things like that so it's always interesting is there a genre that you have yet to write in that you want to write in oh my goodness um i do really want to write a psychological thriller uh i love reading them i have a couple of ideas for them but again none that i have developed enough to be confident in my ability to write it i feel like I need to get ahead on my my military and uh, paranormal romances, like get to the point where I have two or three books pretty much ready to go to be published and then take six months off and really immerse myself in the psychological thriller world. Uh, because I feel like once I start, it, it will take me mentally to a place that I don't necessarily want to be while I'm writing some of my uh, while I'm writing romance but yeah I mean a lot of you guys that I've spoken to want to get into the whole either there's been some that want to jump into horror thrillers mystery Mm -hmm. psychological thrillers so I'm like okay from the cutesy romances of sorts to even some of the darker romance (laughs) to the I'm going to cut you with a knife, literally, and not let me, and unalive you. Great. <laughs> it's a, amazing mm-hmm. how our brains work and function. But also, I think it's a challenge. I think that when you find a type of arts and you're like, okay, what can we do next? How can I increase the skill set here? Um, but yeah, definitely psychological thrillers will are a big um, mental jump into as far as what the information looks like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll keep you that in mind uh, on the list of things to wait for from you. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea, yep. so aside from the the subgenres that you have, and so you know, you today you say, okay, I'm going to write a paranormal, but then the idea of the story and mm-hmm. the plotting stuff, like how, where does that come from for you? Where do you get those ideas? A lot of times, I wake up with them, uh, so I will dream a scene or a character, uh, or just daydream a character or a couple of lines of dialogue and from there I can generally figure out who they are and what their story is. I I write character driven stories rather than plot driven stories so I I anything that I start with is always a character. 
Um, now, I mean, it may be a character in a specific situation, but it is always a specific character. Like I know what they look like. I know um, a few aspects of their personality before I even start. And so I'll start there and then figure out, okay, well, what does, what does this character need? What is missing from their lives? What is missing in their, you know, personal relationships or their um, career, things like that. All right. Well, who would be a good match for them? I mean, sometimes I come up with both characters at once, but a lot of times it, it starts with one character and for the paranormals, it almost always starts with the, the female character, uh, assuming I'm writing um, female, you know, male, female romance. Uh, and for the military uh, romances, it almost always starts with the the male character. I'm not really sure why the difference, but that's actually something I I don't know that I realized until just now. But yeah, that's how it always starts. Yeah, then I have to go afterwards. You're gonna have to think about is there a reason? But sometimes it's just yeah. you know what we think um, or what we envision what one would be the other. You know, so right. So once you have the stories um, and the characters kind of plotted out and things like that, there's these different types of scenes, you know, the, the where they meet, the, the moment that there's an argument, the sexy stuff in between. What's your favorite scene to write? I love the meet cute. And, you know, however that plays out, I mean, it does not necessarily have to be cute, uh, but that... I, I absolutely love writing the meet cutes. And, and in fact, I have like four or five meet cutes in my head right now for books that I have no idea what the plots of the books are, but I know exactly how the characters meet. Well, I, I just, I very really important. enjoy. Yeah. I, I really, I enjoy coming up with different ways that characters can meet as opposed to just, you know, bumping into somebody at the coffee shop. I mean, yes, that, that happens. And I have had that happen several times, but uh, just, I like the, I like the the different ones, the the very odd um, ones that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Okay. So what about the opposite? Which are the type of scenes that are more difficult for you to write? Oh, I, I don't know that there is a scene in particular, or a type of scene that is more difficult for me to write. Where, where my struggles usually come... Uh, it's usually about 25% into the book. And, and that is usually the point at which I look at the manuscript and go, I hate everything. Why am I doing this? How can I call myself a writer? This is just horrible. And, and usually what happens at that point is I just need to take a step back, reread, like I'll start from the very, very beginning and I'll do, I'll do an edit pass on the first 25%. And I, that will help me figure out, oh, wait, I had them do this in chapter two. That really is not what they should be doing. If I have them do this other thing, then that just smooths everything else out. But it's like I can't see it. I'll get to that 25% and then I'll spend two or three days staring at a chapter going, why can't I write this? And then I'll finally look at how many words I have in the book and how many words I'm planning. And I'll go, oh, wait, I'm at the 25% mark. This is part of my process, apparently. Uh, so I just have to deal with it. And I have to go back to the beginning and I have to figure out what I did wrong and then fix it. And it's usually a relatively small thing. Um, and then I can move forward. That's very interesting that it's always at the same mark. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. it's it's either 25% or around like 15,000 words, really, depending on the, the length of the book. But yeah, pretty much every single time. And I finally, about a year ago, realized this is just something I have to plan for. This is something that is in my writing schedule now, kind of. I mean, I, I'm ADHD. I, I'm very bad at creating schedules and sticking to them. But I, I just, I plan a little extra time for that two or three day period where I cannot produce any words. Well, at least you're, you're kind of giving yourself that cushion and realizing that it needs to happen. Just how our brains work sometimes. It's not, it's, some some might say a bit of imposter syndrome especially with those beginnings like why am I you know how is this any good but it's really I guess just a your brain your brain's way of saying there's something you didn't catch girl right <laughs> go back yep <laughs> I'm gonna continue exactly. to work based on that one thing yeah and because you're character driven is there a character that you've written and promise we won't tell all the other characters but who's your favorite that you've written so far <laughs> Uh, my my favorite is Riker McKay from the book On His Six. It's book three in my Away From Keyboard series. He is, yeah, he, there is just something special about him. And he is definitely, definitely my favorite. But yeah, I, and I love all my, I love all my characters. But yeah, he, he stands out above all the rest. Any particular reason that you can offhand think oh, about? He is just... He was probably the most damaged character I have ever written. So to really get into everything that makes him who he is, it was an amazing experience for me. And I really like I feel like he is real. I in, in to me, he is real because I have been working with him for so long. The series that he's in, they're interconnected standalone. So, you know, all the past characters come back here and there, depending on the book. And so, like, he's been in so many books and he has had a hand in so many of the couples that I have worked with, uh, whose stories I've told. And so with every book that he's in, he just sort of cements that top spot for me even more. I'm curious now to check him out and figure out, hmm, what is it about you, sir? <laughs> he, he is also generally my reader's favorite. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can I can see that. I think when an author has a favorite story or they're really excited about what they're writing, uh, the readers can kind of tell and they are like, oh, OK. And they get a little bit extra excited about what's coming or what's or picking up that book yes. and reading it. Yeah. What made you decide to have your titles in audio? I I love audio. I, I have always loved audio. I, I've listened to audiobooks for years um, and I it just, I feel I am very passionate about accessibility. Again, I have ADHD, but I have a couple other physical and mental issues that mean I occasionally need accommodations. And I have done work uh, for my day job. I worked in technology for my day job. Uh, I've done work there on accessibility, and I've seen how important it is to say have captions on videos and have transcripts, things like that. Um, and how much of a difference it can make in people's lives. And and I know that I have a fairly decent listenership who are blind and low vision or who simply do not have the time to read because they are you know, parents or they have multiple jobs or they have very long commutes that don't let them actually physically like hold a book and read. 
And so audio is very important to them. And because of that, it's also very important to me. And I just know from listening to books in the past, how absolutely immersive and how much more emotional impact a book can have on you when it's read by the right people in the right way and performed in in just in the right way. And I just I love having that experience myself listening to the books when I when I proof them. Um, and I just I love that my listeners can have that experience too. Are you part of the whole casting process, or are you do you work with like a production company that helps you find the narrators? Uh, both. I, I mean, I do work with a production company, but I am generally the one who uh, at least starts out with, "Hey, these th- I love this narrator and this other narrator. Can do you think we could get both of them?" Or at the very least, I'll say, "Okay, well, I want this male narrator, but I don't know who I want for the female narrator. Do you have suggestions? Here are the here are the characteristics." So really, it's it's a little bit of both. Some of my books, like my series, I tend to try and stick to the same narrators, just because I know listeners like that. At least when I can, obviously, sometimes I need to switch it up if there's a, a character with a certain background or a certain accent. Try and. Uh, make sure that the narrator is of the same same background for inclusiveness and and all of that. And I've I've actually I found some great new narrators that way, um, whom I will use much more in the future. But uh, yeah, so it's it's really it's a little of both. It's it's very important to have the right narrator for the voice to to kind of voice those characters. Sometimes mm-hmm. some narrators can get miscast, or you know they want them, but unfortunately they can't do that particular accent. And it's like, okay, which one do we give up, the narrator or the accent? And then some readers are <laughs> like, but but in your book it says he has an accent. Why'd you change it? And it's like so many you know balls up in the air as far as making these decisions that. Sometimes the listeners and the readers don't understand what's going on to make these audiobooks mm-hmm. happen. But I'm glad that you're part of that casting because you know your character's better than anybody, right? So Exactly. And I'm fortunate that my producer knows my books and and knows me well enough to to suggest narrators who will work out well for me. Yeah. I'm excited that you found new narrators too. Those are always fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Yeah, and while listeners do want uh, the consistency of the of the narrators for each series and books, what I think it's most important is when it's the same couple. Like if there's, I think it happens more so in paranormal and urban fantasy, or in mm-hmm. contemporaries that have are like either duets or you know war book that the arc goes over all of the books, but the the story continues. Yes. That's when we want the consistency of the exact same narrators for that storyline. Exactly. If, when each couple is yep. is swapped out in books, we're like, switch it up. It's okay. Give me someone new. And we're fine with it. Because yep. after a while, you guys all do this. Sooner or later, all these characters are going to have dinner together or a party together. Or they're going to be all <laughs> yes. together in one spot. And those narrators are going to have to bust out all these voices and some can do it perfectly yep. others yep. are like mm, you gotta get creative and how they're gonna remember who all these people are <laughs> so yep yep it, it is it is definitely a challenge do you have a favorite narrator to listen to i'm not gonna have you give me a favorite that you cast oh my goodness, <laughs> oh my goodness. i i it, there there is abs all right i Yes, I actually do. I was going to say that there's no way that I could pick, but I actually, I actually do. 
because she is just that good at at making every single one of her performances completely different. And that is Maxine Mitchell. It, she is just she is amazing. She she has narrated one one book for me. I I am desperately trying to write another book that she can narrate um, <laughs> because I I loved her performance when she when she narrated for me. But everything that I have listened to from her has just been amazing. And and again, every every book, you know, some some narrators and and there's nothing wrong with this either. Some narrators sound very much the same on just about every book that they do. I mean, obviously they they have nuances for the characters, but you know, there there are voices. And, and I will use somebody who's not a narrator as an example. Uh, pretty much everyone knows what Ryan Reynolds sounds like. Yes. You know, we, we just know whether or not you are a fan of Ryan Reynolds. If you hear his voice, you pretty much know that's Ryan Reynolds. And and in every movie that he has been in, and, and I mean, I, I happen to love Ryan Reynolds. I love just about all of everything that I've seen him in. But he does sound the same in every just about every single movie. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Maxine's books, the the ones that I have listened to, and I, I think I've listened to about 10 of them. Um, I don't, I, I, I tend to listen to nonfiction more than I listen to fiction. I tend to read fiction, but I, there are a few authors whose, whose books I will almost always listen to because they're just, they always pick the, the greatest narrators and it's just such a, immersive experience but yeah every single one of Maxine's uh, narrations I find something new to like about it and something different that I didn't notice in her work before and so that is that would be why she is my favorite yeah now she's very very good and I then I understand that sounding different for the books and the stories that you're going wait is that yeah. Maxine oh yeah that yeah. is Maxine yeah okay <laughs> yeah he does yep. have that ability to do that do you find yes. yourself now that you have um, all these audiobooks that you know that these the the uh, next set of books and uh, and as you're writing that these are going to potentially that will end up being in audio that you write a little different now, knowing that it's going to come into audio or has that not changed at all for you? I don't necessarily write differently, but I definitely edit differently. Once I started putting my books into audio and and listening to them as they came back. And realizing, I started realizing, oh, wait, I don't, I don't need so many dialogue tags because this is going into audio. Or I, I really, I got very good at listening for repeated sounds, not necessarily repeated words, but words that sound the same, because that doesn't always make for the, the best audio experience. Uh, so my editing process definitely changed. And uh, in Part of that process now is I listen to all of my books. I either have Microsoft Word read them to me uh, or I read them out loud myself, which is often a quite painful process uh, just because how many of us really like our own voices when we hear them for multiple hours in a row. But it, you catch things. I catch things all the time doing that that I would never have caught otherwise. And so not only is it something that I do for audio, it's something that I think makes my my ebooks and paperbacks better too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, it's been part of the conversation in the in industry for those authors that write 
knowing that they're going, this is going to eventually be an audio, those tags being extremely important mm-hmm. to get rid of. <laughs> because we, t- we realize who's talking based on the narrator's choice of voice and tones and cadences. And we're like, and she said, and they said, and move this. And you're like, you're like, no, stop. Um, yeah. and, I even, and I think they're even getting better now that there's more, some authors add those text conversations and those will sometimes mm-hmm. be done in duets, but some authors will be like, yeah, yeah, have them say, you know, Marie said, John said, Marie replied, John replied. And I'm like, just, just talk. <laughs> yep. So it's getting there. And it, the other way around too, I have had instances where I have been editing and I have looked at the text and went a, a reader who is reading a, a, an ebook or a physical book, they're going to know who's speaking just because of how it's arranged. Hmm. My narrator, there are three people in this scene. My narrator might not know who is speaking, but you know, if I don't put some indication, my narrator might not know which of the three men in the room is actually talking that type of thing. So it's, it's really interesting to go through uh, a book that, you know, you you've gone through three or four times already and went, okay, this is, this, this is good. This is where I wanted to be. And then you go through it again and realize, but it's not what it needs to be for the audio. All right. Now let's go back and fix that. You're going to be going to the Reader's Take Denver convention in March in a couple. God, it's going to be a couple of weeks at this point. Jesus, time has flown. I know. <laughs> it seems like yesterday we're like, I, I, we have months. And now we're like, five weeks. <laughs> I, I still don't know where 2022 went or 2021 or really even 2020. So, I mean, I have no concept of time any, anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's uh, it's the fast paced uh, and definitely one of those things where you're going, oh, okay, okay. So now I got to start planning and figuring out, you know, timing and, and arra- arranging things and meetups and things like that and who you get to the bu- buying the books and getting the stuff pre ordered. All that fun yes. adulting stuff that they don't tell you about. I know. <laughs> yeah. So are you excited about going and meeting and hanging out with readers and and, and other peers of yours? Oh, absolutely. I I cannot signings are my favorite thing to do really and i love talking to readers and i love talking to new readers and and being able to find out what they like and what they're reading and to see the other authors that they are going to see i am just as much of a fangirl of other authors as readers are of of authors themselves um really you you can't well, I mean, okay, I, I shouldn't say you can't because I'm sure there are people who do this, but uh, most authors are readers first. You know, I, I'm I'm certain there are some authors who barely read at all, but but most authors are voracious readers, and so we we have our favorites too. We have people that we go to see at signings. One of my favorite things to do is if there's a lull, is just to leave my table in the hands of my incredibly capable assistant and run off and fangirl at an author myself and go get a book signed myself so yeah i i really i cannot wait to go to denver at the end of march that's fantastic i love it when i see authors fangirling over other authors and just completely dropping that whole like oh i'm also the writer and oh my god and no no, but you're like that's who that is so who are you looking forward to who are you thinking you're going to be fangirling over at denver oh my goodness (laughs) um i I, 
it's been so long since I even looked at like who else is going. Um, <laughs> so I am well for all right. Well, for one thing, I'm definitely going to be fangirling over Maxine Mitchell because she is going to be there. Yes. Uh, so that let's just get that out of the way, right? You know. Good. I was hoping you were like, that's right. She is going. Cause I was like, if I had to tell yes. her, she's going to freak out. <laughs> Good. Yes. Um, so, so definitely, definitely her. So I'm looking at the list now. Let's see. Um, well, I, all right. I love Harley Stone. Uh, she's actually, she actually, um, lives in my state. And so I, I, I get to see her every once in a while anyway, but I, I absolutely love her. Um, let's see. Who else am I going to be fangirling over? Um, I love um, Gwen, and I'm I'm hoping I'm not going to munge her last name, but uh, McNamee. She I love her books. Her books are like candy. I will devour her books. Let's see. Oh, Pam Goodwin. Pam Goodwin was one of the. She was one of the authors that I read first. Not necessarily first, first, but in like one of the authors that I could say I am a super fan. Like I, I had read all of her books up to a certain point and then I started reading other things and like, I just caught up buying like the last, her last three or four releases. Cause I had gotten behind, but I was like, I was always on top of every single one of her releases for several years. And so definitely her. So those, those are probably, those would be my top three or four, but really like there are so many authors coming. Like I love Vanessa Vale. I, Tonya Burroughs is, is a friend and, and I love her books. Let's see, scrolling through the list. I love Sophie Stern. Let's see. I, oh, Serena Ackroyd. Um, I, <laughs> before I started writing, I was a book reviewer for a couple of different sites. And I reviewed a bunch of her early books and, oh, I loved them so much. Uh, so yeah, definitely her. I, I, I'm very happy. I will get to finally actually meet her in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, the other reason for me asking is now listeners will know if you're not at your table, more or less will you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Go, uh, yeah. go check out those authors. I'm probably yeah. hanging around one of, one them, of them waiting to <laughs> waiting to talk to them and hopefully get something signed yeah <laughs> that's great but really i mean oh my god there are so yeah. many so the lineup is fantastic on this list yeah, yeah i mean when we say star studded it's it's like full i mean like i'm going i don't even know what i'm going to do as far as the timing and yeah. everything i'm just kind of glad that i know most of you guys in one way or the other and i'm going to be like i'll talk to you later we'll get drinks <laughs> <laughs> yep exactly yeah. exactly yeah well, that's, that's one of the <laughs> yeah that, that's one of the things I'm really excited about for this signing is just uh, how many chances there are like the schedule is just awesome there are tons of chances to to like step aside and like have those conversations and I'm I'm really I'm a t I'm a complete and total introvert with social anxiety, but I I am I am making time for all those conversations because how often do you get that chance? You you just you don't often enough. No, I think that that's one of the things that I'm I've been looking at from the panel's perspective and the times the fact that we do get these breaks and a lot of the panels 
the the authors that are partic- participating in it have said, yeah, we'll sign stuff while we're talking or soon thereafter and things like that. So there's more than just that moment of during the signings that you're mm-hmm. going to be able to connect yes. with the authors, which is, I think, very fantastic for the readers, you know, especially those, well, I think anybody, even if you were local, to be able to hang out with you know, some of your favorites at, you know, potential yes. breakfasts or lunch and dinners and parties and panels and, you know, just like, as fellow introverts, we need to go hide somewhere. <laughs> Let's go hide together. Small <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> groups, it's okay. <laughs> it doesn't go, yep. you know, so that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting you um, at Denver. Yep. So this will be fun. So when yep. you're not working and writing and going to these lovely conventions, what do you do for fun? Oh, well, uh, not, I don't, I don't actually leave my house that often, um, especially just, you know, pandemic and all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in terms of fun, uh, well, I have, I have three cats. So there's, there's a lot of fun happening there, or a lot of chaos happening there. (laughs) Either way. (laughs) Uh, Yes. I am uh, teaching myself how to draw, Mm. which is not quite fun yet uh, because I am not very good at it, but I, I do enjoy it. Uh, and 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 I'm starting to finally be able to produce things that actually look like what um, what I intended them to look oh, like, which is okay. sort of exciting. Uh, not people yet. I, I can't I can't really do people. Um, I'm still working on 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 those techniques, but but I can draw a wreath. I can I can draw books um so I, i'm i'm starting to be able to see some progress there uh i i love walking um just getting outside and and walking uh, reading i used to cook a lot my husband has actually taken over just about all of the cooking mm-hmm. uh which is awesome because it leaves me more time <laughs> to write yep but uh but i do still enjoy every once in a while especially baking um i i do enjoy baking What's your favorite and other than that, bake? reading. Um, I, I well, I'm I'm part Italian, um, mm-hmm. and so my my favorite thing to make is um, sauce from scratch and then lasagna mm. with the sauce. Okay, yeah, that's definitely a true Italian. You don't buy the canned sauce; yes. you got to make it yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, and and there is no recipe. Like there is no recipe to be followed. It is all instinct and. It. Mm. Ah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. See, as the girl that needs to, at least more so for baking, I think, than anything else. Because uh, savory oh, yes. is different. But when baking, yeah, when I was trying to get some of those recipes from my grandmother and she's just, Alyssa, I would have to grab that hand of hers, dump it into a mixing bowl, and then measure it out. Because I'm like, uh, there's no way I'm <laughs> going to be able to learn this recipe for myself to be able to make it myself. For yes. and, and future, you know, generations, if I don't know that it's supposed to be a cup. <laughs> so thanks, Grandma. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. When, else, yeah. When I was cooking, yeah, when I was cooking a lot, the what what I always said is that cooking is an art, baking is a science. Mm-hmm. Be- because it is. Baking yeah. requires precise measurements and and leavening agents and all of you know different different chemical reactions. Whereas cooking for the most part is is savory is much more forgiving yeah you can always bring something a little bit back by adding or removing something so that's true right mm-hmm. one of the things i'd love to do with our guests and to get to know them better is to play the game of two truths and a lie where you tell us three things about yourself and we had to figure out which one's the lie 
Um, and I always say that I say we because listeners are playing along, <laughs> or so I hope. <laughs> so if you're ready to tell All us your right. three things, where would they be? Yes. All right. So the first one is there are two left-handed people in my family, and both of them are named Patricia. The second one, uh, in college, I spent one summer driving tractor trailers. And number three, I once gave an interview on NPR about non-alcoholic cocktails. This is where you guys all get creative. You could have done that interview, but not at NPR. It could have been somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) You could have two Patricia's, but they're not left-handed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It didn't have to be in college. It could have been high school. Who knows? Uh, this is also where it's always interesting to see how good of a liar you all are. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> let's see. Hmm. I want to say college tractor uh, is the lie. Do you want me to tell you if, if, if you're right? Yeah. Uh, that is the lie. I did what? not drive tractor trailers in college. All right. Was it in high school? <laughs> or at all? <laughs> uh, no, no. I've actually never driven a tractor trailer. My goodness. So you no. just, like, just threw that in there like, nope, never done this. Gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> actually, um, you can thank my husband for that because I was sitting here before the interview going, oh my God, I need, I need a lie. I need a lie. What, what am I going to, what am I going to do for a lie? I, I like, I am a writer. I could not come up with one single lie. So he came up with that one. <laughs> I mean, you could have been that... in the military. You could have been a BDSM dominatrix. You were a dragon in your past life. Of all the things you write, <laughs> correct? <laughs> yeah, I wanted something that was sort of believable. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 I did spend a summer sort of close to someone who was driving tractor trailers. Uh, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you do have two individuals in your family that are left-handed and are named Patricia. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, and I do not know why my mother and father did this, but, but uh, my, I have a cousin named Patricia and she is, she's maybe 10 years older than I am. 12 mm-hmm. years. No, no, she's more, she's older than that. She, she's probably 15 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so when I was born, my, my parents named me Patricia. I, I, don't know why since my mother had a niece named Patricia, but yeah, we are the only two people in the family who are left-handed. Oh, maybe that may happen, but who knows? Don't feel bad yeah. or, or, or think that it's a bigger thing. It just could be that your mom really liked the name Patricia and the other, you know, the other Patricia got it first because oh. she was born first. Um, in, in my family, there's two Vivianas oh, yeah. and one of them is my cousin who's also about 15 years older than I am. And my mom named her, never realizing or thinking that she's going to have her own kid. And she loved the name. And then, boof, <laughs> she has me and my sister because we're twins. And mm-hmm. I, I get Viviana. And so I'm like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I yeah. And, and I think I so I think my mother um, because my, my mother is Irish. My dad is Italian. And so that's you know, that's my my genetic makeup and i believe I, i'm pretty sure they thought i was going to be a boy and they were going to name me patrick and then when i was a girl they just oh well patrick patricia so i i mean i i don't i don't think there was anything you know malicious about that oh no never malicious of, you know why she why she picked my name uh but i just 
and, and then I thought I just found it so interesting that we were the only two in our family who were left-handed. And then to add to that, at my day job, there are four Patricias at my day job and, and various nicknames. Um, there's one Trisha, there's one Trish, there's, there's me. And, and I forget what the fourth one goes by. I think she, I think she goes by Patricia as well. Um, we are all left-handed. Oh, wow. All of us. Wow. Okay. That's all the Patricias in my department are left-handed. It was the weirdest thing when we found that out. Like I, I just, cause first it was one of them who happened to get, had get, have an office right next to mine. We're like you're left-handed too. Wow. And then we, we found the third and then we found the fourth. <laughs> it was just like, wow, are you doing this on purpose? kind of scary <laughs> and cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, during the application process must be named Patricia and be left-handed uh, in order to apply. Uh, apparently. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so what is this thing about doing an interview with NPR about non-alcoholic beverages? So in another life, uh, so before I started publishing books, my husband and I had a food blog. And this was back when I did a, a lot of cooking. And we, our food blog was all about local food. And so it was about, you know, getting all of the ingredients for your meals, or at least as many as possible locally. And one of the things that we discovered when we were doing this was something called a shrub. And a shrub is a vinegar-based fruit syrup. And you can take these vinegar-based fruit syrups and you can mix them with like sparkling water to create mocktails. And you can do all sorts of different cool flavors, like you can do um, blueberry thyme or uh, strawberry, rosemary, like you can combine fruits and, and herbs. Um, you can do, you can do tomato based shrubs and make like a, a non-alcoholic Bloody Mary, that type of thing. And so we, we blogged about this and this was, I mean, shrubs are common now. You can find them on a lot of menus, a mm -hmm. uh, lot of restaurant menus, but they were not common when we started writing about them. And someone from NPR reached out our local NPR affiliate and wanted to talk about shrubs. And so I went down to the local station and spent a very lovely hour uh, <laughs> chatting with them about where shrubs came from and several different recipes and why we did what we did on our blog and why we were devoted to local food. And it was, it was a wonderful time. Sounds like fun. Yeah. A lot of people don't sometimes don't realize how some of those mocktails are created mm -hmm. aside from food coloring. Sometimes that needs to happen, but it's, uh, it's interesting. I have to look that up, see if I can find that article, see if we can learn more about the shrubs. That'd be I cool. don't know. I, I tried to find it, um, about six months ago because I, I was, I was telling a new coworker about it and I don't think it is up on their site anymore, but if you just look up shrubs, you will find tons of recipes because they are, they have become much more popular and they are a great option. If you just either don't want alcohol or if you are trying to cut calories or just want interesting things to drink besides water, because sometimes <laughs> we all need something that's not water. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and so we, we still make them on a regular basis, even though we are no longer doing the, doing the food blog. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm definitely have to look that up. So before we go, can you tell us about what you're currently working on and what's coming up next for you? Sure. I am right now working on book, oh my goodness, book 11 of the my Away From Keyboard series, which is Trusting His Instincts. And this is, um, it is romantic suspense, uh, former military romantic suspense. Uh, this one is featuring a um, female um, or a, a woman who is a retired um, retired Air Force and um, very, very set in her ways, very strict, very everything has to be exactly the way that I plan it. And I cannot deal with plans that do not work out. And so she is just she's a very interesting woman to to write about. Um, and so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to her story. I'm not quite to the 25% mark yet, <laughs> so it's still going a little slow, mm -hmm. but I am through the meet cute and I absolutely love uh, the meet cute between Raylin and Nash. Um, Nash builds furniture. So that's always a fun thing to research and to envision uh, and to describe men working with their hands and producing something that is, I, I, I love doing things like that. Uh, and then after that, um, after that, I am not 100% positive what I'm going to do because I have two new series ideas. Actually, no, I have three new series ideas that I want to write, um, two of which I already have covers for and titles and <laughs> characters. So I'm going to pick one of them. Okay. And I don't know which one yet. Uh, they're all, they're, they are all romantic suspense. Um, one of them is uh, BDSM, uh, so I will definitely be working on that series in 2023, whether or not it's the book after this or, you know, two or three books later. I am not 100% positive yet, but uh, I, I tend to, again, ADHD, I tend to um, start at least two books at a time. When I After I finish a book, I'll take a few days off, and then I'll start, like, two different books, and after three or four days, one of them will call to me and I will pick that one to then work on alone. Um, it, it helps sometimes to, to have two to start with to go, okay, well, which characters actually want to talk to me and which characters are still being standoffish and, and doing their own thing <laughs> because they do that. Yes. A lot. Oh boy. <laughs> and that does not work for you. <laughs> No, no, no. We, I, I have, I have tried to sit some of them down and go. Listen, you, you told me you wanted a book. This is what is involved in you getting a book. So come on. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do actually have full-on conversations in my head with characters, and so yeah. you know, they sometimes talk back, mm -hmm. sometimes not. Yeah, a lot of authors say that they have those characters that pop up out of nowhere sometimes, or like the one that you were saying wants the story is annoying the shit out of you while you're writing everybody else's story. But when it comes down time to their own, all of a sudden they become very quiet. Mm -hmm. And you're going, really? Yes. Early fucker. Okay. Now, now is no. the time you decide to be shy. Mm -hmm. no. Gotta love it when they do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll definitely be keeping, um, you know, following your social medias and things like that to figure out, which, to, to learn which one you decide to comes up next after <laughs> words and, and, and ensure that these characters are speaking to you. 
Well, thank you so much, Patricia, for taking the time to hang out with me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This was this was absolutely wonderful. Perfect. Thank you. We will be including all your social media information and newsletter stuff for readers to make sure that they're following you over at the landing page for this episode at VVM Enchantress of Books. And until next time, happy listening. Thank you to all of our audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Nixley Zenner, Carol Liebner, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Don Darch, Michelle Bastard, Brandy Schmidt, April Branson. The audiobook-loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shout-outs, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.